can open to James chapter 1 if you want to. James chapter 1, in verse 17. I just want to look at a couple of verses, uh, and then I want to uh, turn our attention uh, actually out of the book of James this morning. But first I want you to, uh, we have been looking into the book of James for a number of weeks now. And I want to kind of go back and touch the the foundation, if you will, for a moment. James chapter 1 and verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will, Begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here at the beginning of the book of James, you see this every good gift and every perfect gift. Now, if we go back and look, you'll go back and you go back up and look at verse 14. It says, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. The point is, our problem, your, listen, please hear me. Your problem is you. Your problem is you. You can blame the exterior things in your life that provoke you to behave the way that you do, but ultimately my problem is me. And it is God's desire that, that, that we be rescued from ourselves. It is God's desire that instead of being Adam, that we would be Christ-like in the way we live our lives. Now, here it says, every good gift, be not, do not err, verse 6, do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not, do not, do not misunderstand. The things that need to take place in your life, they come down from above. They come from God. Now, if you go back one page, in my Bible, I can simply flip back one page. Maybe you can too. To Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I want you to see this because Hebrews comes before James for a purpose. Hebrews is the first book of a group of books that we, are, where we recognize and understand as the reality epistles. And what God is doing, listen, hear me. After telling us the gospel... After telling us what the message of the gospel sounds like and how the messengers of the gospel uh, behave themselves, how the church should function, God says this, now let's find out what you've got. What do you have? What do you really have in your life? It is God's desire that none of us would have fool's gold, none of us, that none of us would lie to ourselves and that none of us would be lied to by someone else. And God wants you to know that you have the truth and that the truth has set you free because our Lord Jesus Christ is that truth and it's his desire that you be set free. So in, chapter, in Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews, we're not obviously going to go back and go through it again, but Hebrews, the whole book, what you're finding is this. You, if, if you are a new creature, if you're not, God wants you to have this. But if you are a new creature, then you have a great high priest who not only lived and died for you, but is pouring out a whole new quality of life into your life. Now, and we can see this, by the way, in verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 20. Chapter 13 and verse 20. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Listen to this. Make you perfect. Now again, that word perfect, we are going to talk about it a little bit this morning. It's going to show up in another passage that we're going to be at. The idea of making you perfect is not making you without sin. It is not making you without any flaw. I mean, that would be wonderful, but that's not what it's saying. And as long as we're here, until this corruptible 
shall put on incorruption, you are going to have the flesh wrestling in your life. Now, one of the greatest things that happens, and we see this at the beginning of the book of James, at the beginning of the book of James, God makes it very clear, when things, when, when you're first saved, you find yourself surrounded. It says falling into diverse temptations. When you're first saved, you find yourself surrounded by things that used to be your friend that are now your enemies because you don't want the same things that you used to want. But your flesh does want the same things that it used to want. And so there is this conflict, this warfare. But what God says is this. He, verse 21, let me finish it now. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Now listen to this. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see here that it's God's desire to pour out a new life in you. And that it would be manifested outwardly as you walk with him. And then when we come to chapter to James, the beginning of James, we saw that every, every good gift... Listen, hear me. Please hear me. What does it say in verse um, 14? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his... Own. Now, by the way, the word man does not exclude women. Every person is tempted when he or she is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. This is what happens... Again, my failures, you don't make my failures. I make my failures. And here's the good news, and I mean this with all my heart. It is Christ's desire that you not live a life of failure, that you no longer be driven by your own lust, that your own desires no longer be the Lord of your life anymore. Because every good gift and every perfect gift. See, you see the word again? Again, the, the root word again is telos. The word is the idea of complete. It is God's desire to complete you in Christ. And so we see in, in Hebrews that God wants to pour out a whole new quality of life. And we see in the book of James that God wants to pour out this whole new life. Hear me, please hear me. In your everyday life. Now you're here you're here, you're, it's Sunday morning and you came to church, you're sitting in a pew. I don't know what it was like before you got here. I don't know if one of your kids couldn't find their shoe or their sock or, you know, I don't know what it was like. You walked outside and got in the car and remembered, you know, this morning I, I, I wear glasses and I know you know I have retinal dystrophy, so I'm losing my sight. And so my glasses don't fix my vision, but they do make things less blurry. And so as my, as my ophthalmologist says, um, sharp and clear is better than blurry and crooked. So, so when I take my glasses off, everything's blurry and crooked. When I put my glasses on, everything is blurry, but at least, I mean, excuse me, it's not blurry. Everything is crooked, but at least I can see it. But I've got to the point now where my eyes are, are bad enough that when I get in my car and I don't have them, I notice it, which is probably good for everybody on the road. And so I go back. Now, by the way, I don't need my, my according, to, according to the DMV, I don't need glasses yet to drive. And... Um, but I will go back into the house and get them. Now, I don't know what you're like, but when I get into my car, how many of you really want to go back into the house after you walked outside, got in your car, you know? I scraped my windows, you know what I'm saying? It was cold this morning. How many of you had to scrape your windows this morning? It was cold this morning. Anyway, God's desire is that everything in your life, everything in your life, in your everyday life, would be victorious. Not in your strength, but in his strength. And this is what he's revealing to us in the book of James. Now, in James chapter 3, 
in James chapter 3. And we've been studying this now for a few weeks, but there's so much here. Now, we've been seeing in, in James chapter 3, the primary emphasis of chapter 3 has to do with our tongue. You know, I want you to think about this really honestly. How many of you, listen, don't, please don't raise your hand. How many of you have said something in the last week that you wish you hadn't said? How many of you have said something in the last 24 hours that you wish you hadn't said? How many of you are aware, listen, honestly, that, and I mean this, all of the hurt in the world in which we live comes out of us? Do you understand that? The squirrels don't bother you. They may get into something that you rather they didn't get into. But they don't curse you, right? They don't lie about you. They don't gossip about you. Do you understand? What's going on in our nation right now post-election, it, it's kind of ironic to me, this group of people that talk about inclusiveness and, and peacefulness and stuff like that are out raining in the streets. It just seems odd to me. But listen, 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 hear me. Please hear me. What is the response to this? We're going to see this together this morning. God wants, to, God wants to control our tongues. And I hope you want him to control your tongue. Now, somebody mentioned to me uh, this week, somebody mentioned to me this week about uh, someone who had, uh, it was an older person. And, they, and the, I think the way it was phrased is, they sure are hard to please. And, and I said, you know what? I understand what you're saying. But my prayer is that I just won't be that kind of a person when I get older. Right? Right? I mean, we, the, everyone around us is, is flawed, one way or another. Yes? No? Are you aware of that? I'm aware of it. You're all really terribly flawed. Right? All of us are flawed. What is my desire and my expectation, not just for me but for you, is that you'll let God make the changes in your life that he wants to make in your life. Because he is both willing and able to conform us to the image of his son. Now, in this passage, let's, let's look at this. We're again, talking about uh, cursing and blessing from the same mouth. It ought not be that way. So let's go down to verse 13. And we're not going to spend a lot of time because I really want to turn to another passage. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't brag about how capable you are. If, if, if the leading characteristic of your life is not love, then don't brag. And by the way, ironically, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, if the leading characteristic of your life was love, you wouldn't brag because love doesn't boast. Do you understand? And it says, by the way, what's remarkable, this is, this is life-changing if you'll let it be, and lie not against the truth. Be honest with yourself about these things. Because, see, this is what, now notice what he says after this. This wisdom, you're being better than other people. That's what this, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But look at this. Now, remember, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. But the wisdom that is from above, now notice this, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Does, listen, hear me, honestly. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Honestly, doesn't that sound wonderful? Wouldn't you like to be such a group of people all the time? 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone who visited us or was around any of us, what they saw was this, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Honestly, if you, can you imagine if American Christianity, those that are simply, truly born again, would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that the fruits of the Spirit would fill our lives and people would see this in our everyday life? Yes or no? You know, I, I got to believe that every single one of you that goes to work anywhere, everyone is talking about something having to do, and everybody's like this, well, I think, well, I think, well, I think. It doesn't matter what we think. Honestly, it doesn't matter what we think. You know, um, I, I listen to uh, tech podcasts. I still, I, you know, I, I was an engineer and it's, I, I just can't let it go. You know what I'm saying? So I listen to tech podcasts sometimes when I'm driving. And I was listening, to, I, I, don't, I don't participate in Reddit, really. I don't do Facebook very much at all um, or, or, or Twitter. I, I just don't, I just don't. But these men were talking, these are men who are, who are engineers, they're intelligent men, and they were talking about the mean-spiritedness on Reddit or Twitter or this type of a thing. And I was thinking to myself, well, the problem with those social media is it's full of people, right? And here's the thing, if you don't have to look somebody in the face, you can say whatever you want to say. By the way, people seem to be willing to look people in the face and say whatever they want to say. Yes? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now what I want to do, again, we did this last week, or the last time I preached, it might have been last week, we looked at the fact that what does Jesus say about some of these things? Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Because again, I, really, I would like to turn your attention to what does Jesus say. Um, we hear all of these words, and even you can even hear mine. Of course, I don't want you to hear mine. I really want you to hear what the Bible says about these things. But if we turn our attention to what does Jesus say about these things, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, does anybody know what Matthew chapter 5 is? Most people understand this as the Beatitudes chapter, right? I'm not sure. I, I learned that when I was in Sunday school when I was just a little kid. I never really understood what it meant. I just learned that, chapter, you know, that uh, Matthew chapter 5 was the Beatitudes. And I didn't know why, what attitude bees had at all. I didn't understand what it was. But here's the idea. And of course, it, what it has to do with is blessed. Now, let me start. Let's do this starting in verse 1. And I, and I won't take all day, but I really want you to see this. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5, and seeing the multitudes... He went up into a mountain. When he was set, the disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, now listen. Now, we're not going to study these right now. But he began with this. This is the first thing that Jesus teaches publicly. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It follows it up with the, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the meek, Blessed are those, not that are righteous, but that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I, I have to be honest with you. I read that list, and I say, I want to be on his team. I want to be like that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who can't in their own strength, and they know it. That's the beginning of blessing. The beginning of blessing is to understand that you can't, not theoretically, I'm talking about in your everyday life, you don't have the power to be the person that God would have you to be. That's okay, because he's able to make you that person. 
Do you understand? But as long as you think you can help him, as long as you think you can have a part in it, as long as you think that you can do this, he's not going to be able to help you. The Pharisee said, are we blind also? And his answer was, if you were, I could help you. But because you think you can do this, because you think you can see, I can't help you. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what I want to turn your attention to, though, has to do with uh, the attitude that God would have us to have during times of difficulty. And, and our nation is in a time of difficulty right now. And again, I wouldn't bring us to this, except it really goes to what we're looking at in James chapter 3, where God is talking about our tongue, our heart attitude, and how it manifests in our tongue. So let's turn from uh, the beginning of chapter 5 all the way to verse 38. And I'm just going to read a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a couple words, and we'll be done. And you can take with it what God would have for you to have. Father, I ask you to bless us as we look into your word. Please, Lord, may your words make the difference in our life that only your words can. By your holy word, by your holy spirit, by your holy will in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Ye have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you. You might want to underline that every time you see something like this in your Bible. But I say unto you. Listen, let me just say this again. You know what matters? What Jesus says unto you. Amen. Right? You say, well, I don't watch such and such a news channel. I watch such and such a news channel. So what? Right? Yes? Well, I get my information from, well, get it from Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Notice what he says. So you've heard it said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, that whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, <laughs> deck him. Right? Turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, give him thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. And hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain to the just and on the unjust. For if we love them which for if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than the others? Do not even the publicans do, do so? But listen to this: Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now we're not going to get back to this verse probably today. But I want you to understand that the word telos is the word behind perfect here again. And you'd expect that it would be. But I really want you to begin to understand this. What God is saying is, listen, when Jesus dies on the cross, he says, die." right? I know I've said this before. And, and, we, and it's translated, it is finished. It literally means I have reached the goal, right? The end of the commandment, the, the goal of the commandment is love. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. What God wants to do is God wants to perfect us by making us loving people. It, um, it's funny. Um, if you were in the classroom for this Sunday school in this room, 
uh, Jacob McKinney was teaching, and he was talking about the beginning of the book of Philippians. And he was saying, you know, pastor's always talking about, you know, love, 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 love. He said, all you have to do is read any of the epistles, and it's very clear this is exactly what God is wanting to accomplish in our life. This, listen, I don't know how we've missed it. I don't know how independent Baptist churches have missed this for so many years. The end of the commandment isn't being better than other people. The end of the commandment isn't being smarter than other people. The end of the commandment isn't being right. The end of the commandment is love. What God is wanting to accomplish in our lives is that the fruit of the Spirit would fill our lives. And the number one in that list in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is charity or agape love. And if you want to see what that looks like, and you need to look at this. I have to look at this all the time. Whenever I start thinking of what a loving person I'm becoming, I go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and say, yeah, I don't love like that. And God said, but let me tell you something. Jesus does love like that. I'm sorry, listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that some of you have heard such terrible things about the God who loves you. I'm sorry that you have. I'm sorry that people who should have been able to do better and say better and be better in your life weren't. I'm sorry. But it doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change him at all. And I thank God it doesn't change him at all. And what I want you to understand is that what God wants to do is to not make us preacher-like or deacon-like. Do you understand? He wants to make us Christ-like. That's what he's going to accomplish in our lives. Now, what I want to do is I want to draw your attention for just a moment to just one verse. But I say unto you, verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, what I've done here is, I, and it's really, it's already 12.02. I, I just started. You guys realize that, right? I mean, I, I don't want to keep you here all day, but I really want you to see these things. I'll try to, you know, again, you, you, you listen quickly, and I'll talk quickly. I speak quickly anyway, being from New England. I looked up these words, and this is why. Because I believe that we read this verse, and verses like it, and we gloss over it. But I say unto you, love your enemies. And this is what we think. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't really rant at those people who are terrible, terrible people. Do better than that. And that's not what it says. See? And so we're going to see this together. So what do you suppose the word love is? We're not going to, we're not going, you know, it's funny. When uh, Jacob was teaching Sunday school, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to ask questions and you're going to give some answers. And I thought, probably not. Probably not. Amen? Now, it's funny because children's Sunday schools are full of questions and kids talk and give answers. And you come to an adult Sunday school and you ask questions and they're all like, I just came to listen. You, you tell me. That's why you're up there, amen? Uh, you know, it's like, well, don't you know the answer? I do, but I'm not telling you right now, amen? Anyway, I, but I say unto you, love your enemies. What do you suppose the word love is? Anybody want to guess? Agape. Good. Anybody else want to guess? You follow on with that? Agape, right? And we recognize that. So listen, listen, I want you to understand. First of all, it's not phileo, right? Which is a good brotherly love. That's, that's what that is. And that would be great. Be brotherly to those who are your enemies. That's not what God says. Love them like I love you. Love them like I love you. So who are my enemies? Let's just define the word enemies, right? So who are my enemies? Listen to this. Hateful. That's what the word actually means. Hateful. Hateful. Adversary. Especially Satan. Enemy. Foe. That's it. Okay. Hateful. An adversary. Especially Satan. Enemy. Foe. Love them that say bad things to you occasionally. That's not what it says. Love them that are your enemies. By the way, you don't have to be angry with them for them to be your enemies. Do you understand? 
Because the idea here is they're your adversary. You don't have to be their adversary. I, don't, I really don't. I do not understand any form of Christianity that has a chip on its shoulder. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. It is not what God wants for us at all. Do you understand? Do you understand? We are to walk peaceably, lovingly, charitably around all people. And you would think that if we would just, I, I used to think this when I was a young Christian, if I would just be the good person I'm supposed to be, everybody would love me. But here's the thing, that doesn't work, right? Because why? Because people are still people, right? yes? People still want their way, whatever that is. And if you interfere with their way, I mean, we just saw what happens if you don't win the election the way you want it. I mean, it's remarkable. And, you know, and the interesting thing is, you know, we talked about this before, nobody's really, nobody was even thrilled really before the ballots were cast, right? But it's remarkable to me how, how incredibly selfish mankind, intelligent, educated, going forward, United States of America, how small we can become. But listen, I mean this with all my heart. The people that are behaving themselves like that right now, we can't be that people. We, we, we can, but not and show them Christ, right? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Let's look at the word bless. This is a funny thing. Here's what it means. To speak, it's a compound word, and it means literally to speak well of. Listen, listen, hear me. Bless them that curse you. So your attitude towards those that curse you is to be what? Well, ignore them. Don't, don't say evil things about them. Don't cast things at them. Not so much says. It says, bless them. Bless them that curse you. And this is what it means, to praise. By the way, you know what the, word, the, the Greek word is? It's eulogy. That's the word. You know what eulogy means? Everybody knows it. Anybody know eulogy? When do, you, when do you see a eulogy typically? It's at a funeral. And, and so like, like somebody, somebody died, and the idea of the eulogy is, and it's ironic because the idea of eulogy actually means to say something nice about this person, right? And some of you have had relatives that died, and you thought, how are they going to do that today? How are they going to say nice things about this person, right? You know, I'm worried about when I die. What are you know, going to say nice about that person? Do you understand? But the idea of eulogy, literally, the reason it's called the eulogy is to say nice things about that person. That's the idea behind that. So God says, those that curse you, and we're going to define that here in just a moment, you say nice things about them. Is that possible? And it's not humanly possible, is it? To say nice things about people that are cursing you. It's not, it's not humanly possible, but it is possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for them that curse you. The word curse is this, listen. Threaten, insult, slander, falsely accuse. Let me do it again. Threaten, insult, slander, falsely accuse. You say good things about the person that does that to you. Now listen, how many of you are beginning to have some idea of the need for the Holy Spirit to fill your life and change the way you behave yourself? Yes? It's a hard thing. Isn't this a hard thing? Look, we're not talking about somebody who insulted you. We're talking about somebody who wants to have malice hurt toward you because of whatever reason they have so. And God says, I want your response to be that you'll say good things about them. That's amazing to me. It really, really is. But it sure fits with my Lord Jesus. Do good to them that hate you. Do good for them that hate you. 
There's two words for good. Not that you guys care about the Greek that much, but I want you to know because it matters. There's two words for good. One of them is agathos. And agathos simply means good as opposed to bad, right? So we say this is good water. All that would mean is if the water had come from someplace other than out of a clean source, we would say this is bad water. Don't drink this. This is bad water. But this is good water, right? But that's not the word here. The word here is kalos. And some of us have learned through some of our other studies what the word kalos means. And what it means is beautiful, admirable, exceptional, actually. It actually has the idea, listen, let me, let me read this, properly beautiful, but chiefly good, virtuous. So the idea is this. Now listen, again, it says, do good to them that hate you. And God and listen, hear me, not do good as opposed to bad, do excellent. Do, it's amazing. I mean, isn't it amazing? Do, now listen, who do you reserve excellent for? Really, it's got to be a short list, right? Who do you do excellent for? And God said, do this to those that hate you. And the word hate, by the way, means to detest. To detest. And you may not have anybody. I hope to God you don't have anybody in your life that actually detests you. But what God says, listen, hear me. What God says is to those that treat you like this, do your best. Do your best for them. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. And again, this is the both despitefully use and pray is pray. The word pray means to pray. And despitefully use and persecute has the idea, listen, of literally chasing you down to hurt you. Yes? It's not just bad enough that I'm unkind to you when I see you. I'll come visit you to be unkind to you. I actually want to visit malice upon you. He says, pray for them. Pray for them. Now, let's talk about why, and we'll be done. Let's talk about why. Because he says after this why, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Yes? That you may be like, listen, how does God behave? Listen, listen, I'm going to say this. I am sorry for the picture that is often painted of how God is. But the truth of the matter is, God sends the sun upon all the people that hate him. And he sends the rain. And by the way, I used to think, honestly, when I was a young Christian, I thought he lets the sun shine on people that, that, that don't like him. And he also makes it rain every now and then because he doesn't like them anyway. Right? And then I realized, well, actually, that's not what it's saying at all. The sun is necessary and good and important, but so is the rain. Do you understand? In other words, this isn't good and bad. This is, this is both the sunshiny day and the provision of the rain so that your food can grow. And who does God do this to? Oh, for those that love him. For those who worship him, for those who show up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and any other time that we got anything going on. No, no, no. Everybody you know. Who will Jesus rescue? Everybody you know. Who does Jesus love? Everybody you know. Everybody you don't know. All those people posting hateful things, he loves them. And not only does he love them, he wants you and I to love. Now, let me, let me ask you this question. How does this tie into what we're looking at in James, other than the tongue part of it? How does it tie into it? And, that's, and this is how it does. In your everyday life, and boy, is your everyday life important right now. In your everyday life. So here's what happens. You go to work tomorrow. You go to the restaurant this afternoon. And the question comes up. The topic comes up. And what you can say is this. I sure wish we would love one another. I sure wish we'd love one another. 
No, no, I'm not talking about the people that are like us. I want to talk to you about those people. Yeah, I sure wish we could sure love them. I sure wish we could help them. I sure wish we could help them to understand that God wants to rescue all of us. Yes? No? Yes? Maybe I'm just getting old. More and more and more, the longer I grow in Christ, the more I realize that if we don't have love, it doesn't matter. This world cannot be rescued by our opinions. Do you understand that? They can only be rescued by the love of God. Now, the wrath of God should scare them to death, and it should. It scared me to death. God was keeping score. I knew it. I was in trouble. I knew it, really. I was just going to avoid him until somebody told me, you don't have to avoid him. I do have to avoid him. You don't know the things that I've done. No, you don't understand. You don't have to avoid him. He loves you. He wants to set you free from those things. He wants to forgive you for those things and make you like his son instead. And I've got to be honest with you. As soon as I heard that, my first response was, I don't think that can be possible. But as soon as we looked at a few passages and I realized it was my next response was, where do I sign up for this? Now, I, I would say for about two months after that, I was just reading and reading and reading and reading and taking in and taking in and taking in. But one day God said, we need to deal with your sins today, Chuck. We need to deal with your sins. I'm glad that you appreciate all that I've done for you. But you need to receive that payment for your sin. You need me to take your sins away. You need to acknowledge your need in your life. And I did. And he did, praise God. He changed, literally changed absolutely everything just like that. Now, I'm not saying that I'm, <laughs> y'all know me too well to think I'm saying that I'm perfect. But it's amazing. I, have, I, don't, I think it's true to say that I've not had anything to drink or any drugs or, or beat very many people up or anything since then. <laughs> I wrestled with some of those things when I was a young Christian, Amen. Ironically, I'd get in fights about people using the name of Jesus in vain, you know what I'm saying? Until I realized it's not really honoring him to defend him that way, if you understand what I'm saying. Amen? But he changes you from the heart level out. Now, I, I mean this, and, I, and I'm done for this morning. I, I, the question is, how many of you would read this, these things we just saw today and say, there's work that needs to be done in my life? There's work that needs to be done. I mean, serious work that needs to be done. Here's, let me say this. The thing about this work, and I thank God for this, the thing about this work is it's being done. Right? Right? He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it. The word means literally to finish it, to accomplish it. If, if you started this, or if I started this, you know what I'm saying? If you came to Christ on your quote-unquote own, in your own strength, or I got you to, I tricked you into praying a prayer and, and teaching you to do something, if we're the author of this, that's not enough. But if Christ is the author of this, he's going to finish it. So here's the promise. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. What is the hope of glory in your life? And the answer is Christ in you. That's the hope of glory in your life. You, you know, I, I, I know, I realize, you know, uh, Sheila and I were talking about this. I don't think she'll be upset that, I'll, that she and I are talking about this. Sheila and I come from, well, we come from New England, first of all. Uh, I was talking to some, I think it might have been, uh, I think it might have been Jason Hand yesterday, talking about how people in New England are not nice people. We're not. They call it Southern hospitality for a reason, because there is none of it in New England. You know what I'm saying? They just want to survive the winter up there. Right? But, 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 but. We're very headstrong. We're very arrogant. We're very sure of what we want. And we're very critical to those who aren't like us. I don't want to be that way. 
I, I don't want to be that way. You know, my wife and I have talked about this a lot. You know, honey, when I get old, because I'm really worried about my brain. I'm really worried about where I'm going here. So when I, if I start forgetting everything, you know, I don't care if I drool. Just make me nice. Whatever they got to put, whatever drugs they got to put into me so I smile, just make them put those things into me. Amen? Honestly. I, and I, listen, I've spent time with people who have uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. I've seen people say and do things that are so out of character for them because, of what, because listen, when your mind doesn't work, it pulls up memories that come from a long, long time ago. And some of those memories are before you're saved. And I'd be embarrassed to behave in front of you guys like I did before I was saved. God wants to so rescue you. Listen, he wants to so rescue you that he can use your life to so rescue somebody else. Do you understand that? Now, you just acknowledge you don't have this power in yourself. Because he said, and ye shall receive power, dunamis, after the Holy Ghost. When the Comforter comes, he's going to be the power. Do you understand that? God is not asking you to be a better person. He's saying, I am a better person meaning himself, and I will do this in you. I will do this in you. That's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. When he begins these teachings, the purpose of this teaching isn't so that everybody would try to live up to it, so that everybody would recognize is, I don't live up to this. He, if you think the Old Testament law is hard to keep, try keeping what Jesus wants you to do. And the answer is, you can't do this in your strength. But here's the good news, you don't have to. Amen? But you are going to have to humble yourself. You are going to have to, again, lie not against the truth. Lord, this has to change. And he'll say, let me, let me, let me, and I'll change it. Now, by the way, if this has not begun in your life, if you're not a new creature, if you're not a new creature, I, I, I beg you, I beg you, let him change you. And if you are a new creature, I still beg you, let him continue to change you. This world needs to see the greatness of Jesus. And the only way they're going to see it is if they can see it in your lives. If they can, again, the person that led me to Christ, I asked him because there was a difference in his life. And I would that you would be such men and women and young people that, again, not, not super duper good religious people, brokenhearted people who ask the Holy Ghost to make a difference.